everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Humans of James River. Today, my guest is our principal, Dr. Volker, and I'm so excited because she's going to be telling us all about her story and where she comes from. I hope you enjoy. So I, I, I was basically that kid that you sat next to in class. Um, I was that kid who struggled with math, who um, was talkative, uh, who um, was into theater, was in all the plays. Uh, I guess you could say I was popular. Um, Everyone knew everyone uh, back at Thomas Dale in the 80s where I went to school. Um, But I think what... When I think back to where I've been and where I am today and why I do the work that I do um, as the new principal of James River, I really feel like all those lessons I learned when I was that kid sitting next to you in class, right, are are the lessons that helped me do the job that I do. Um, I I feel like I'm a kid or was a kid with average intelligence, uh, above average maybe in some areas. And, um, you know, when we got to the point where everyone started talking about college, I didn't have the opportunity to go to college right out of high school uh, because my dad got sick my uh, end of my sophomore going into my junior year um, with a heart condition. And so when all of my friends were... Thinking about college, taking the courses that they needed for college, um, you, you know, getting boosting their GPA and and prepping for SAT tests. You know, that wasn't my my reality. My reality was to uh, take care of the family business and um, help my family. And so, I remember this really. I think for me, it was a turning point. Um, well, you have several in your life, but but one for me that was the first was the, the night that my best friend had this party, and it was the night before everyone was going off to college. And so for kids now, you know, you're like thinking about life with COVID at college, and, you know, things are very different, but, you know, you still got together with your friends regardless, you know, and I remember being the only person in the room who wasn't leaving for college. And I remember sitting in the car when I was leaving that party, looking back at the house like, you know, um, what was going to happen to me? You know, what was in store for me? Because I I felt like I knew what was in store for them. They were having that, you know, freshman move-in college experience. So shortly after that, my father did pass away. And um, I didn't have the opportunity, again, to, to even consider what college would be like. So... I, um, my dad was a hairdresser and, and owned several uh, salons in, in the area. And I did what um, I knew how to do, which was cut hair. I got my hair license and um, started working in the salon, uh, running the salon for my dad, who was recently deceased. And then um, I did hair, I did nails, um, basically keeping things together. Well, I happened to... Um, know this gentleman who I met when I was 13 years old at Thomas Dale. Uh, the locker where we met is still there. Um, and uh, he was my first boyfriend. 
back when I was 13. And so at this point, I'm about, you know, 19 years old. And when we were together in high school, we always had this dream of moving to New York because um, I always wanted to be in theater and he wanted to be in the music business. So when my dad finally died and my friends were off at college, I really didn't have any, um, you know, current goals. And so we decided that we were going to pack up and move. So we did. Uh, when I, so when I was uh, just turned 22, we moved to New York and we lived in New York City for 10 years. Um, we lived in the East Village in a very small one room apartment. And um, I took my skill of uh, knowing how to cut hair and I went and worked at a salon in uh, Soho. Uh, so we were, you know, living this awesome New York life, and I was, you know, 22. Um, got into a, a culture there where I was, you know, doing what I knew I had grown up in, which was the beauty business. So, um, you know, really making people feel good about themselves, really looking at um, the aesthetics of appearance and hair and makeup and that sort of thing. And, um, you know, I didn't look the way I look now. I had really short platinum hair and, um, uh, you know, it was pretty cool. It was the early nineties. One of my clients, uh, was, uh, Lenny Kravitz. If you're familiar with, with Lenny Kravitz, uh, you could Google him. And yes, when you Google him, if you don't know who he is already, he's pretty famous for dreads. Um, one of the, one of my skill sets that I'm proud of is the fact that I am able to do all types of hair, Caucasian hair, African-American hair, male hair, female hair, all kinds of stuff. And so, um, you know, I had the opportunity to work in the industry with some pretty famous people, he being one of them. Uh, another one would be Billy Idol. I had the opportunity to work with him uh, because at the, at the time, my, um, my uh, boyfriend from Thomasdale, who we moved to New York with, was working at a record label called Amago Records, and um, through that, uh, we were able to go to many clubs and shows uh, and meet with meet pretty famous artists at the time, and so through that opportunity, I, I was able to, you know, do hair and makeup for um, video for, um, uh, you know, stylist um, so those two would be two people that you would know, possibly Billy Idol and um, Lenny Kravitz. So uh, we were doing our thing, moving along, and, uh, you know, I, it's going to sound silly, but when I was 25, I had this dream. And, you know, I really struggled with the death of my father because he was my best friend, and he died when he was 40 when he died. And so that's pretty young for a person to die. Um, and, you know, I was really traumatized by that and I think par paralyzed in a way because I just sort of rode this wave of life, you know, like what, what should I do with myself and how should I um, make a living and what am I passionate about? And so at the time I was like, yeah, I'm in New York. I'm living in the East Village. Life is great. But I didn't really feel like I had a purpose, like I was fulfilled. And so I literally had this dream and the dream was my chorus teacher, her name was Harriet Schaefer back at Thomas Dale. Uh, she 
came to me in a dream. This is really strange. And she said, you know, you need to teach. That's what you need to do. You need to teach. And so I was like, you know, I, I think that's my calling. I think that that's what I want to do. And so I looked at my, he's my husband now, but at the time I looked at my boyfriend and I said, you know what? I think I, I think I want to go to school. And he was like, well, let's do it. Well, the problem was I was 25 years old and I never took SATs. And, um, you know, back in high school, when I realized college wasn't an option for me, I didn't take the classes that you're supposed to take, you know, like all the maths and the higher level things, you know, all the languages. I just took the basic stuff because I did theater. I was a theater kid. So I had to start from ground zero and I um, started at community college. I went to the borough of Manhattan Community College. They call it BMCC. Um, I took, I was there for about a little less than 18 months. I had to take remedial math. I'd never taken algebra in in high school. Um, But I was so excited. I was several years older than my uh, classmates, um, but it didn't really matter because I've never really acted or looked my age I don't really know I don't really like ascribe to a number kind of thing so I kind of just fit right in and it was pretty cool it was really humbling because I um you know was starting over I was at the beginning I was in remedial math and I was uh you know doing my thing and so uh, in order to make some money I was still doing hair but um I started to think about what I could do that would align my experiences so when I did become a teacher that I would have had some experience. And so I was going to to church, and um, my minister, I was going to the United Methodist uh, Church um, in, in the West Village in New York City, and he said, you know, I've got a friend who runs a mission down in Chinatown, and they would love to have some English teachers. Um, they'd love to have some support. So um, he hooked me up with the woman who ran the mission, and I went down to Chinatown and um, met her. And it was the first time in my life, because um, growing up in, in uh, Chester, Virginia, back in the 80s, they really didn't have anyone other than whites or blacks. You didn't have a lot of Asians. There were no Hispanics, uh, no Muslims, no anything. And I was always fascinated by people that weren't like me because I I had to work really hard as a kid to make connections with people and you find out you know what what you have in common when you on the surface don't look like you do so I was really fascinated by the opportunity to work in Chinatown and so I started working there after my classes and I taught English and I had never in my life experienced such poverty, Um, you know, people that lived seven and eight to a room just to come to America to get an education, an an educational opportunity for their kids. Um, And I was so moved by that, that I thought for a minute, for a long minute, actually, that I, I was like, I was um, called to something. And I considered at that point, while I was still in school for education, I, I thought about seriously uh, becoming a minister. And so I uh, got hooked up with um, my minister at church and started doing 
you know, youth Bible study. I started doing uh, doing the liturgy at uh, Sunday service. I started um, going to Union Theological Seminary School up in, in New York, in upper New York City. And I was like, you know, this could really, I could really do this. And so I got to a place where I thought, well, what is my path? Do I want to be have a life of, of missionary work or do I want to have a life of teaching? And, you know, after I was working in both areas, I realized that I could serve the same purpose. I could serve both purposes by um, being a teacher. And so I continued my education and I majored in English in elementary ed, and then I minored in Eastern religion and graduated uh, from Hunter College, transferred from BMCC to Hunter uh, in 1999. So all of my friends, you know, had graduated from college in 92, and here I am graduating in 99, but it really didn't matter. I was thrilled. Um, My first job as a bona fide legit teacher was at PS 108 um, public school. That's what they, that's how they number them in New York, uh, public school 108 in in Harlem, New York, 108th and Madison Avenue, uh, Spanish Harlem. And so for the second time in my life, I was in a situation where I was the only person that was white. When I was in Chinatown, I was the only person that was white. And the kids were so curious about me. They always wanted to touch my hair. They always would touch my skin. And when the UPS man would come in and he was white, they would say, oh, your brother's here. And I was like, no, he's not my brother. And so you start to notice those like things you take for granted or the things that you consider because you don't know any different. And when I went to Harlem, again, I was one of the only white people uh, my uh, kids, uh, you know, we taught, I had 34 in a class. They would be like, oh, Miss Volker, we got to touch your hair. What, you know, because I have red hair and freckles at the time. Um, and they were like, just like, who is this alien bird? You know, I had this southern accent. And <clears throat> it was there for the second time that I realized what it's like to be the only person like yourself in the room. And so, you know, I fell in love with it. Uh, You know, rough kids, rough home life, poverty. uh, But I felt a true calling. I felt uh, it was like a purpose. It was a mission. Um, And so I did that for um, several years um, until uh, 2001, um, when we, when 9-11 hit, uh, my hu- who's, he's now my husband, so we were married and had a little girl. And so uh, when 9-11 hit, I was on maternity leave. And had I gone to school that day for work, I would not be having this conversation with you now because I, we had bought a house in Staten Island and I had to travel through the World Trade Center to get to Harlem to get to work on the subway. And so that was a life changer for us. We decided at that point to move back to Virginia because our lives were different and we had a little girl to consider. So in 2002, we relocated back to Virginia and I started working as a teacher at Chalkley Elementary. I taught there for 
I taught fifth grade there for a few years until I got my master's from the University of Virginia. And I decided to go back to get my master's, mainly because my principal at the time put this flyer in my mailbox at work and it said, you know, you may want to consider an opportunity in leadership because you're pretty good at it. So I started taking classes at UVA and it's funny because they, the first thing they ask for is your scores. And I'm like, scores for what? Like, you know, when I went to Hunter College, I never took an SAT. I went into Hunter College because I had earned enough credits to matriculate in. And so when I came back to UVA, I came back to Virginia and came to UVA, they were like, well, you know, where are your scores? And I was like, I, I don't have scores. And so they were like, okay, well, you take a few classes and we'll see how it goes. I was like, yeah, sure, whatever. I know what I'll do. So I took a few classes. I got A's. And they, they, I'll never forget it. The lady had to write a letter for me to say, she's, she, yeah, she, she can handle it. So here I am. You know, I am at this point 35 years old, and I'm getting my master's from UVA in educational leadership. And so 2005, all of a sudden, I get this awesome opportunity to be <clears throat> the assist, the dean of students at James River High School. So I go from being an elementary person to a high school administrator overnight, and it was like the coolest thing ever. Absolutely love James River. I bleed purple. Um, I was here for seven years. My second year here, I became an assistant principal for it, and I was that for the whole time after that. Um, from there, I went to Thomas Dale as an administrator. I oversaw the specialty center, which was pretty cool because I have a, a theater background, so that was kind of exciting to be able to. I'm what you call a triple threat back in the day. A triple threat was someone who could sing, dance, and act. I can do all three. <clears throat> Haven't done it in a while, so I'm a little rusty, but I can. Um, so while I was at Thomas Dale, I was like, you know what? I think it's time for me to get a doctorate. So at this time, I went to Virginia Tech and in 2015, graduated with my doctorate in um, educational leadership and policy studies. And so... When I, literally the year I was finishing up my doctorate, um, I got the opportunity to go back to Chalkley Elementary as their principal. And I did that for two years. And then from there, I went to Providence Middle School and I was their principal for three years. And for some lucky or unlucky friends, depending on how you see it, I have been with them since sixth grade and they will be now rising freshmen at James River. And so I'm pretty stoked about that. <clears throat> and so when I tell my story, I think about how I was that kid next to you in class. I was that kid, and you think about the kid next to you, or you think about the person you see in the mirror, and you wonder what you will become or what will become of you. I thought about I had a career in, in the beauty industry. I was close to becoming a minister. I am a teacher. I am a doctorate. I have a doctorate. I am a wife. I am a mother. I am a high school principal. When you, when I think about all of those people who kind of counted me out, who kind of thought, huh, wonder what's going to become of her because, you know, she's sort of all over the place. What is her path? What is her purpose? 
and I look at my path and how it all leads to where I am now, the work that I do as a principal to me is mission work. To me, it is serving a purpose because I truly believe that my responsibility is to do for others and be who they needed. Let me rephrase. There's a phrase and it says, be who you needed when you were younger. And that's what I live by. I think back to all of those people, all of those teachers, all of the people in my life that were there at the right time. They, they were what I needed. I, I want to be that person for our kids, the person that they need right now at this age. And so I am that kid. I'm that kid that you think they're never going to amount to anything. Oh, yeah. Well, yes, these kids do amount to it. When you think, oh, that kid's never going to do well on an SAT or never get a, a degree. or ne-. Yes, they will. They'll do exactly where, what their path takes them to. And so that's my story. Thank you. That was amazing. Absolutely amazing. And so I do have a couple of questions for you. Um, I feel like you've answered a lot of the questions that I had while listening um, perfectly. But one situation that you went through in your life that I'm particularly curious about is when, you know, you were a young teenager, you had to play the role of a caretaker and then eventually a business runner at like the age I'm at now, which I can never even imagine. I was just wondering if you could elaborate on that situation and how you felt at the time. And, you know, there are probably kids listening to this who have gone through this and are going through it right now. And so any advice you can have for them? Oh, absolutely. Um, So my dad um, was my best friend. And when he was in high school, he actually went to Thomas Dale. Uh, so when he was in high school, he went, he just, he knew he was going to be a hairdresser. He, by the, t- he dropped out of school his junior year in high school. And by the time he would have graduated, he owned his own salon. And the teachers at the time at Dale and in the community were then his clients and he made more money than they did. And he would joke about that. And they would joke about that. And they would say, Oh, Tommy, I can't believe you. He had a head for business. And so he instilled in that, he instilled that business sense in me from the time that I was a little kid. I learned the very most important lesson that I learned was how to make change. And I know that sounds silly, but when you're running a business and you know, Yeah, there's this thing called currency, and it's green, and then there are coins. So, like, if you give somebody a $20 bill and your bill is $13.86, like, how do you give change back? It is a thing. (laughs) So that was the most important lesson I learned, how to give change. I say that because growing up in 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 the beauty business, at one point we had four salons running at the same time. And so I started working the front desk. I would make appointments. I would take money. I would open up the salon. I would close the salon. And what that means is you have to act as an adult. You have to know how to make eye contact. You have to know how to say good morning. You have to know how to, you know, run a business. And so you learn those things sort of like 
being a sponge if you're observant. And so to kids now that are doing that sort of thing, I say, watch, be a good observer. Watch what's happening around you. Um, I had an, I had the, I was fortunate in that the people that worked for my dad had worked for my dad for a long time. And so they sort of knew what my role was and they didn't really have a problem with the fact that for some of them, they were like 15, 20 years older than me. Their job was to come in and cut hair, color hair, right? My job was to make sure they had appointments that they're, that they got paid that, you know, so you had to learn how to run the books, take care of the books, manage the money, go to the bank, all of those things I was doing at 16, 17, 18, 19 years old. So you don't really think about it at the time, but those are really important skills. So the, the advice I would have is um, pay attention and watch, watch what's happening around you and seek out others like yourself. Uh, to have a support because I didn't have anybody like me around that I could talk to. Um, But I know that a lot of our students do hold down jobs, do support their family. Um, Seek out others as a resource, if that makes sense. Yeah, that's definitely, you know, some really good advice. I have a job, but nothing similar to what others go through and what you went through. Another question I had was, what are some things that teachers did to push you and motivate you along the way? And I know you mentioned, obviously, from the dream about your choir teacher, I'm assuming that she had a really positive impact on you. Um, but yeah, some things that teachers did. I think for me, when I think back to my teachers, um, I think back to when I was in third grade and I didn't know it was time for, for kids to learn how to write cursive. And because I'm left-handed, there was no way to teach left-handed people at the time how to write in cursive. So my teacher sent me to the library when they were practicing cursive. And so that was my first opportunity that I remember to really, like, be in love with books. And so when I, that leads me to middle school where, um, for example, Debbie Bailey, who is the school board chair, she was my history teacher. When I think about her, I think she comes to mind because teachers have this way of seeing through all of the noise, of of being able to focus through the noise and see the person that you can be. And so she helped me see that I was okay. Quirky was okay. Chatty was okay. That I had a purpose. And that led me into high school where I had teachers that would sit with me the first week of class and go, you need to be in an honors level English class. You're smarter than this. We're moving you. They saw that potential in me and they pushed me. Um, Also, you know, I'll I'll have to say that, you know, my principal, believe it or not, you know, um, when my father passed away, (laughs) exempted me out of all exams because he died on June 4th. And so, uh, you know, was at my dad's funeral and, so were many teachers. So it's like, you know, when I think about why I am a principal, I need to be that for our kids. And it doesn't matter to me that it's 1,940 kids. Every kid matters. And so when kids are going through something, we should be there. 
And I can only say that because it was done for me. And so when you asked the question about teachers that really meant something to me, you know, that's, it was, it's, it came naturally to them and it should to us as well. Yeah. And that leads perfectly into my next question, what you're just saying. Um, what is the impact that you hope to have on, you know, the students of James River in this next season, especially with COVID and everything that's going on in the world? So one of the things that I, I intend to do, and we've already started, is to really tear away at the anonymity that we have become and, and become more aware of each other. And it starts, for example, with one-to-one communication. Just because I am a principal shouldn't mean that I am not approachable. It shouldn't mean that you couldn't contact me at any time. And one thing that makes me sad is when, you know, kids will say, I didn't know that I could email you or I didn't know that I could. And I'm thinking, that's really tragic because my job is to serve. And so we need to sort of peel away at these barriers we've put up where we don't communicate with each other and that we don't, uh, we don't assume that we're there for each other. And in a time like COVID and, and the social crisis that we're experiencing now with equity and, uh, and uh, racism um, and, and gender issues, you know, now more than ever, we need to be, whether you are a conservative or a liberal, it shouldn't matter. We need to be more unified. And so I know that the position that I have is a powerful one, and I plan to use that power for the benefit of students because the role of power is servant leadership. And so we've got to work hard to come together. So I answer every email that's, that is sent to me from a parent or a student. I'm on social media. I comment. I respond on our Instagram page, on our Facebook page. Um, I'm as present as I can possibly be. Yeah. And with that, um, would you like to say your email on here, even though it's probably just CCPS one, just so that students have it if they do have any questions for you? Sure. It's Amanda and then the underscore Voker, V like Virginia, O-E-L-K-E-R, at ccpsnet.net. Awesome. And the final question that I have for you is another kind of advicey question. But okay. No, I'm thinking from the point of view of a kid who maybe like a junior or senior who was who is in that position that you were in, that they're not really on the college track, you know, they don't have all of the opportunities to go to college because, you know, money's tight or, you know, they don't have the grades to get a scholarship. What advice would you give to them um, on what to do, especially if they know that they want to get a higher education, but they know that they can't right now? Sure. I say two things. One, I am prouder of my cosmetology license than I am of my doctorate. Um, I have, since 1992, uh, had a valid Virginia cosmetology license. I continue to renew it. I continue to do hair. Um, I would say if you are interested in a trade and you know that, um, you know, it's not a commercial plug for the tech center, but I, I cannot express enough how amazing the opportunities are in trade 
in the tech center in skills. Um, there are some very, very wealthy plumbers out there. There are some very wealthy electricians. So don't be fooled by the mystique of college. Don't be fooled by that. If college is something that you do want and you can't afford it, reframe your thinking because anything is possible. I am living proof. Start at community college, take courses. The, the online college system now is makes it possible for anybody to get an education. It is out there. Take the time and research um, what works for you. If you um, have to work during the day, there are courses that you can take at night. You can take courses online. You know, at UVA and at Virginia Tech, I took courses at night and on weekends. Um, it is always possible. There are scholarships out there. Um, there is financial aid out there. You just need to be able to have the opportunity to really think about what it is that you would like to do. And if you are here at school, honestly, talk to your school counselor. Come talk to me. There are so many ways out there. If you had said to me when I was a junior in high school at Thomas Dale that I was going to be a hairdresser, a teacher, a minister, a principal, I'd be like, you are nuts. You're nuts. What do you mean? Right? You don't know where you'll end up 20 years from now. So the best thing to do is have an open mind because the possibilities are limitless. Thank you so much for all of your advice and just sharing your story with everyone, James River. And we just appreciate you so much. And I'm really excited to see what you do for this school year and moving on even after I graduate. Um, yeah, just thank you so much. Well, Ireland, you are so welcome. And I, I, I really say this. Um, I am a very, well, I'm redheaded. And so I say that because um, it, it really speaks to my personality. I get very fired up uh, and I'm very passionate about kids because I do believe that when much is given, much is expected. And I feel much has been given to me in life and it is my responsibility to give back to, to kids. And so it makes me so very sad that we're not together. And so I keep planning for that time when it is our first football game or it is the first day of school or a pep rally or just first period, you know, like to be around kids and the energy of kids. Um, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. So I can't wait to meet everyone. And I am here. I pretty much work 24 seven. Um, I am available to you. Use me as a resource. Give me a call. Contact me. I'm happy to help. Well, thank you so much. Um, I know everyone at Dean River appreciates you, including myself. I first just want to thank Dr. Volker for taking time out of her very busy schedule to come talk to me. Um, I'm so honored to help her in sharing her story. And I hope all of you enjoyed hearing about her crazy, amazing life um, because... For me, it was just so eye-opening and intriguing, and she's just such a cool, amazing person. I'm just so, so happy that she's our principal this year, and I hope that you guys really enjoyed this first episode. Let me know if you have any um, questions, comments, concerns, feedback, anything. I want to hear it. And 
also, and as you put in her email, don't be afraid to email her. She is such a kind woman, and she, she like she said, she will answer all of you if you have any questions for her at all. Um, yeah, I really just hope that you guys enjoyed this first episode, and have a lovely rest of your day, and remember that you are all so very loved.